All right. Good morning, everybody. We are so glad that you're here. I don't know about you, but doesn't that just get you pumped up to study the book of Proverbs? Oh, man. I wish every time I sat down to read the Bible, I had like a movie trailer to like pump me up for whatever book uh, I'm reading. We're so glad that you're here. Can I just say this? This is off script. I'm standing in the back and I'm watching people just come in and come in and come in. It's the middle to the end of May. And I don't know about you and what type of churches you've been a part of in the past, but a lot of churches, people just kind of have the mentality, you know, it's summer and everybody's kind of relaxed and we just kind of get lazy and it kind of trickles into our spiritual lives as well. And, you know, you know, everybody just kind of takes a summer off. So, you know, church is a little empty in the summer. We don't have any room left to put people this morning and it's the end of May. So praise God for that. That is awesome. Praise God. And every time we talk about that, it's never about numbers. It's about what those numbers represent, and that's you, and that's people's lives, and the people that are here, and the people that are not here yet that you're going to invite next week, because every single person uh, is, is in need of the love of Jesus Christ, and we want to do that. That's what we're about at Hope. It's not about hope, it's about the kingdom, and we want to get as many people as we can connected to his love uh, as possible. So, Speaking of the book of Proverbs, I don't know if you get that excited every time you sit down to read the Bible, but I do want you to know this. I don't know what your experience is with church. I don't know what your experience is with the Bible, but every single time we open this book, we have the opportunity to encounter the greatest story of all time. Maybe your experience has been that people are just beating you over the head with the Bible and trying to shove it down your throat and trying to inflict fear and pressure and all of that to you, but every single time we read it, we encounter the greatest story of all time, the story that, honestly, every single one of these movies that we've been looking at the last few weeks, all of the movies and the stories that you love should be paying copyright to God, amen? Because they all borrow their plot, right, from the one central story, the battle for good and evil and good overcoming evil and that God is on the move. And so that's what we have the opportunity to do today. We're in the book of Proverbs. If you didn't get that from the video, you weren't watching. We're in the book of Proverbs for the month of May during these 12 books in 12 months. And Proverbs is all about wisdom. If you've missed the last couple weeks or you need to, to a little reminder, uh, Proverbs was written, most of it was written by King Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever live, the son of King David. And I don't know about you, but we, we live in this information age. If you, have a, if you have a smartphone with you this morning, you have more information at your fingertips than anybody else in the history of humankind. And yet I have a feeling that for all of us, information is just not doing it. You can Google anything, but you can't Google wisdom. That comes with a lived life, and most importantly, by immersing yourself in God's word and the timeless truths of God's word. That's what it takes to be wise. Anybody can consume information, but not everybody is wise, right? So that's what we're doing today as we turn our attention to God's word. Certainly true as we discover this truth, this main theme that I want to focus in on today, and it's this. How you handle your hurt will determine your hope. How you handle your hurt will determine your hope. How you handle the noises and the things that are going on and clanking around underneath the surface is going to determine the course of your life. Let me tell you a quick story to help illustrate. If you've been in core, this may kind of sound familiar, but all these amazing things tend to happen to me, and these sermon illustration stories tend to happen to me when I'm on my way to God's country in Iowa City. 
So me and a buddy a couple falls ago were driving to an Iowa football game, and we're driving down I-80, and you know there's not a lot between Des Moines and Iowa City, and so we're listening to the pregame show. We're kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden we're driving along in my, in my 06 Honda CRV. So if any of you think that I'm one of those pastors you see on TV that has their own private jet, I've got an 06 Honda CRV with about 220,000 miles on it, and I'm driving that baby into the ground. Because Hondas just last forever. So that's how I'm rolling these days. I call it not an SUV, it's my PUV, my pastor utility vehicle. Okay? So I'm driving down the road to Iowa City, and all of a sudden, me and my buddy David were listening to the Hawkeye pregame show, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And both of us just kind of look at each other, and we're guys, and so we're like, ah, let's just keep going, right? And then five more minutes later, like, interesting. And we kind of look at each other, and he looks at me, and he said, hey, that's interesting. That doesn't sound normal. Do you think you should pull over and figure out what's good? It sounds like it's coming from the engine. And in that moment, I've got two choices. Number one, I can just pretend that that, doesn't, that noise doesn't exist and do what most guys do. I'm just going to turn up the radio a little bit louder, right? And then I don't have to hear it, right? Or I can pull over, and I can diagnose what's going on and try to figure out What's going on? Now, I'm a guy, so what do you think I did? Yeah, just turn up the radio and just keep on going, right? That's what I did. I regretted it later. There was something going on. But needless to say, we made it to Iowa City and all of that. I tell you that to tell you this. Every single one of us is driving along the road of life. And once in a while, when you least expect it, those noises pop up, don't they? And they're not noises under the hood, but they come in the form of pain and hurts, and wounds, and memories, and struggles, and emptiness, and that longing for more that some of you are feeling this morning. Those noises under the hood, not of the hood of our cars, but under our hearts, they come from things that we have done, mistakes that we've made, and things that have been done to us. And in those moments, just like I did that day, we have two options. We can turn up the noise in our lives, which for a lot of us comes in the form of busyness, the addiction of workaholism, filling our calendars, which as much as possible, focusing our lives solely on our kids and just filling up our candles, or not candles, our calendars, and getting to the point where we are so busy, and if I can just make myself busy, I don't have to deal with the pain that's underneath the surface. Or we can slow, slow down and pull over and process and invite God into all of those things that we're feeling and see what's really going on. And that's God's invitation to all of us this morning. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, puts it this way. Let's read it together nice and loud on the screen. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In other words, this morning, whoever you are, wherever you're sitting this morning, God is way more concerned with what's really going on and with what's underneath the surface than he is with your ability to fake it, than he is with your ability to cover it up. God is concerned about the heart. And when we bring our hurt to him, I want you to hear me loud and clear, hope is available. And I'm not talking about a church. I'm talking about real hope. Not the power of positive thinking, not trying harder, but real hope. The knowledge that because of Jesus, no person or no situation is beyond help. Amen? No situation, no person is beyond help. But the reality is, is that most of us get well into our adult lives, and for a lot of us, our adult, church-attending Christian lives, 
and we don't look under the hood. Some of us look under the hood of our cars more than we look under the hood of our hearts. And that's a problem. And we end up, when we stuff the hurt or when we shove it aside or we try to avoid it, what happens is, is that we end up feeling like whatever that is going on, well, that's normal. And maybe you've heard other people around you say this or maybe you've thought it or said it out loud yourself. That's just the way I am. That's just the way I am. It's not healthy. It's not helping. It's hurting people around you. But we just come to believe things are always going to be this way. It's the mom of three young kids that I met a few years ago. And four years ago, she said, oh, I'm just going to have a couple drinks. I just have a few drinks once in a while. And now four years later, she's absolutely dependent on it to numb the pain and the stress that she's under. It's a 30-year-old man that I talked to a couple months ago who had never stopped and asked himself why I can't stop working 60 or 70 hours a week even though it's burning him out. It's the spouse who seems incapable of admitting that they're wrong in an argument. It's the young woman that I met just a few years ago in our community that said until the previous year before I met her, after 15 years, she's never admitted that the abuse that took place and that happened to her in college wasn't her fault. It's the young man I've met with over and over that seems to keep getting in heated arguments with his wife because his anger issue is out of control, even as he's this nice, pleasant church guy on the outside. It's the 40-year-old successful businessman who, in the middle of one of our men's Bible studies several years ago, just started to weep openly, a 45-year-old man, when a man in his 60s put his hand on the top of his head and started speaking the blessing of a father, a father's blessing over him, and just repeated over and over, I'm proud of you, I'm proud of you, I'm proud of you, and he just wept like a little boy. It's the middle-aged, successful businesswoman that I met after a funeral a couple months ago, and she was weeping just uncontrollably. And as I peeled back the layers of her story, she told me that she hadn't allowed herself to cry, let alone grieve in any way since her own father passed away eight years ago. What do all these people have in common? They're not fabricated. They're made up. They're people that are sitting around you today. They're members of our greater hope community. And they're all followers of Jesus, and many of them are busy with church life. And yet they're all learning how to cope rather than to live the abundant life that Jesus promises, all in desperate need of pulling over on the side of the road and looking under the hood and seeing why does that noise make all the sound? Why is it so painful? We have a recovery ministry here at Lutheran Church of Hope, and it's called Celebrate Recovery. Any CR fans out there? A few? Okay, gotcha. Give, give me a little woot woot this morning. There you go. Okay, gotcha. There's, there's more than I thought. All right. Awesome. So Celebrate Recovery is almost kind of lined up right with us at Hope Des Moines. Last summer, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary, and Celebrate Recovery, I'll call it CR, uh, is at our West Des Moines campus and our Ankeny campus, just celebrated at the West Des Moines campus their 10-year anniversary uh, as well. And they, in the, the language of Celebrate Recovery, they have a, a word for all these things that we're talking about, a phrase, and it's called our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. Everybody say hurts. hurts. Say habits. habits. And hang-ups. And we all got them. Every single one of us. Every single one of us has them. In fact, uh, when I was talking to Melissa Dale, our director of that 
ministry, she was letting me know that only one in three people are coming that have substance abuse issues. One in three, meaning two-thirds of the people that come to recovery, it has nothing to do with drugs or alcohol. Of the 13 step study support groups that happen during Celebrate Recovery, only five of them are for substance abuse. And I tell you that to tell you this. Maybe recovery is way bigger than we think. Maybe the need for healing and restoration is way wider than we think. So who's in recovery at Lutheran Church of Hope? People that are sitting around you today. Doctors. Lawyers. CEOs. Teachers. Stay-at-home parents. The unemployed. Parents of teenagers. Teenagers. Young adults. Kids. I think that's about everybody. If I didn't say everybody. Every demographic. And the list goes on and on. And you would, for some of you, you may be hearing those lists and hearing these people that I'm describing and saying, oh, I feel so bad for them. My heart just hurts for those people. And we've already missed it. We will never understand recovery if we have an us and them mindset. We will only understand recovery and our own brokenness when we have a us mindset. When all of us are in the same boat. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Every single person is in recovery. Some are just brave enough to admit it. Amen? Every single one of us has hurts and habits and hang-ups. Some of them are just more visible than others. Isn't it interesting that we lift up substances? We lift up alcohol abuse and drug abuse, and rightly so, and we're going to touch on that in a little bit. But the problem is we judge and shame and condone those that have alcoholism, and we praise and celebrate those that have workaholism. It, they get a, you get a badge of honor. How you doing? Keeping busy? Absolutely. Worked a lot of hours? Yep, yep, just working hard. And we celebrate that. It's an addiction. So today we're talking about this from a whole ass, holistic standpoint. Standpoint, we've all got hurt, and some of us just have some stuff underneath the surface. We've all got stuff. So just to clear the air, because today, some of you heard our scripture reading today, and you're like, what the, what kind of a church is this, right? That's a weird scripture reading, right? We're going to get to that in a second. But just to clear the air, and everybody just take a deep breath and take a load off. Turn to the neighbor, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got some stuff. Tell them that right now. You got some stuff going on, okay? You got some stuff. And it stinks. You got some stuff. Every single one of us. And what you do with your stuff how you handle your hurt will determine your hope. And nobody knows that better than a young man. Some of you are just keeping going, I'm going to tell everybody around me. You got some stuff. <laughs> nobody knows that better than a young man named Nick Sheff. Nick and his father David are the central characters in the film that we're going to take a look at today. We're in this scripture and a movie sermon series, and it's a film called Beautiful Boy. And if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. I would not recommend that you get a pop and a popcorn and sit down for a fun, enjoyable night. But if you want to be convicted, if you want to be challenged, I would put your kids to bed and then watch it. Um, it's rated R for a reason. But it's powerful. And I don't shy away from rated R movies because you know that the reality of culture feeds Hollywood. 
There's a reason these movies are popular, because they're touching something really true in us. And so Nick is this young man who grew up, and on, on the surface level, everything was great. Happy, great in school, sports, activities. But as he grew up and became a young man, that, all of that stuff, the outward appearance, became sort of this fabricated you know, facade out there that covered up a heart that was filled with terrible hurt and pain, and which eventually leads him into this spiral of alcohol and multiple, multiple, hardcore drug addictions. And so the first clip that you're going to see, we're going to watch a few this morning, gives you kind of the setup to the story of his father, David, that's played by Steve Carell. It's kind of going to set up the story for you. And then eventually, uh, him and uh, Nick's stepmom are going to visit him in college when he first starts developing this drug addiction. And then the last part of the scene that you're going to see, the movie does a lot of flashbacks, flashbacks, and I think rightly so, to when Nick was just a, a little boy. And for those of you that are parents today, well, really for those of you that, that have a loved one that's ever hurt and has had pain, look inside David's heart as a father as he looks at his son that's spiraling into addiction and sees a little boy that's crying out for help. Take a look. Whether you're a, a parent in the room today as I am or anyone that's loved someone through painful choices that they've made, and your heart just hurts for David. There's a lot of times where people get the idea that we come to church, you know, it's just kind of surfacy. but out there in the real world, you know, that's where we talk about the real stuff. What if we flip that? What if we flipped that, and what if we talked about the real stuff right here? Because if you should be able to be real anywhere, it should be church. And for Nick, it's all sorts of substances and drugs, but the truth is so clear that, that when we go outside of God's boundaries, the things that we put in our body, it seems so innocent at first, but then it can kind of come back to bite us. The, the illustration in our scripture reading today is so poignant. It's so vivid. Don't gaze at the wine that could be replaced for anything that we go to, whether it's the fridge or any substance for that matter that we go to. Don't gaze at the wine seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down, for in the end it bites like a poisonous snake. Just for the record, nobody sets out wanting to get bit by a poisonous snake, right? Nobody says, I'm going to go out and try to find one. They pop up when you least expect it, and they inflict that pain and that wound. And let me just be perfectly clear at all of our campuses today, as we talk about this topic, as we talk about this theme, we're not getting on our high horse and talking about all alcohol scripture never condones the use of alcohol, but what God does do over and over in this passage, and like many other, is condone the excessive use of it, drunkenness, specifically about alcohol or the use of other drugs, letting any other substance, letting any other thing control you than the Spirit of God. That's what it means to follow Jesus, is I want to be controlled by one thing, and that's the Holy Spirit. I don't want to put anything else in my body that's going to control me. God never does that. But he says to avoid drunkenness and the excessive use 
of drugs and alcohol. Why would he do that? Number one, because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, Scripture says, and you have been bought at a price. It's been paid for on the cross. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God wants to set you free is that he was willing to give his life for you. That's how much you were made in God's image. And secondly, God also knows how easily these substances can get a hold of us. 12.7% of Americans, according to the Journal of American, American Medical Association, have admit to having an alcohol use disorder. Admit to having an alcohol use disorder disorder. 21% of Iowans drink excessively. Yeah, I would love to preach on puppies and rainbows. But we can't. Not all the time. Somehow we think that the church is somehow in this bubble and that's isolated. And when we talk about these statistics, oh, those people, those people are us. Those people are in our church. And I want you to hear loud and clear, if you are struggling with this this morning, there is more grace for you than you could ever possibly imagine. And we are so glad that you are here. But we've got to talk about the truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. And there is more grace for you this morning than you will ever know. But there is also the truth. It ends up affecting everyone around you. It's not your little issue or their little issue or some people's little issue. It's our issue as a church. It's our issue as a community because we're a family. Because we're a family and it ends up affecting everybody around us. Marriages have been ruined, careers have been crushed, dreams have been destroyed. And yet, I know there's a whole camp out there that, camp out there that would say, John, I'm not an alcoholic, I don't struggle with it to that extent. But you know, there's a few times where I've had a few too many and I just sort of lost control. And well, you know, I got plastered that one time. And you know, sometimes I have a good time with my friends and we go out and you know, the kids aren't around. So it's fine. And it just kind of helps take the edge off of things. And I just feel a little bit more relaxed. I mean, who really cares? Your creator does. The one that made you. And I want you to know that God's standing there today with his love for you, not as some party kill joy <laughs> when it comes to finding joy or happiness. Did you forget what Jesus' first miracle was? He turned water into wine, which is not an endorsement of drunkenness, by the way. It's an endorsement that Jesus always saves the best for last, and Christians know how to party the best, okay? There's always more with Jesus, but never in that passage or anywhere else does Jesus lift up and endorse drunkenness or the excessive use. Your father looks at you today if that's your mindset, oh, just once in a while, I don't really have an issue. He looks at you and says, that's not who you are. I watched this movie this last week. I have a six-year-old son that I usually rub his back and rub his head before he goes to sleep at night. And I felt like this is what God wanted me to say this morning, is that when your father looks at you, and for some reason, you think you have to put some substance in your body to make you more valuable or lovable. Your father looks at you today and simply says, you're my kid. And I love you way too much for you to think that your value is based on somehow altering how you feel so that you can be more acceptable. You are enough. 
I want you to hear that this morning. Whatever you're up against, whatever your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, you are enough. You are enough. And when you show up, when you show up at a party, when you show up at a party, when you show up at a function, when you show up at an event, you are enough. And you don't have to alter your state in order to be acceptable or to be valuable. You are enough to show up and be in the room. Paul writes to a younger Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power of love, power and love, and get this, self-discipline. Self-discipline. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You were made for more. One, as a follower of Jesus, to show the world that real joy and real celebrations and real happiness, although it may involve an adult beverage from time to time and there is nothing wrong with that, it does not have to rely on the bottle, but rather from the spirit inside of you that is the source of your joy and your happiness and your peace. Amen? It's not who you are. But today is not a soapbox about drinking. That's not why you came. It's about something deeper, and it's about getting to the root of what's underneath it. It's about getting to the root of what's really going on inside. Proverbs leads us to this timeless wisdom back in chapter 4, verse 23. Let's read it together up on the screen. Go ahead and go to the next slide there. Go ahead. Keep going. There we go. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. One more time. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything that you do flows from it. Proverbs chapter 4. Above all else, look under the hood of your heart today. Whatever it is, whatever substance, whatever hurt, whatever habit, whatever hang up, whatever you have. Above all else, check on yourself. Check on your friends. Check on your family. Above being busy for God. Above having perfect kids. Above projecting the image that you want of your family on social media. Why? Because scripture makes it clear that God's not simply after behavior modification. He's after heart transformation. That's what Jesus is after. He wants all of you. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people come back to life. That's what the gospel is about. That's why Jesus died and rose again. Not so that you could drink a little bit less and cuss a little bit less, okay? He died so that you could rise again to a new and everlasting life to where your heart is transformed, that you desire to be whole and healthy. Because everything that we do flows from our heart. Because back to some of the people that I mentioned before, that young mom that I mentioned before doesn't realize that she's adopted this coping skill of having a little bit too much to drink that seemed to work for her other friends. But nobody ever mentioned to her the regrets of the morning after. The young man that's working 70 hours a week doesn't realize that the only reason he's doing that is that is the image that he saw of his father. And that when you're a workaholic, that's what it means to be a real man supposedly. And he's leading to burnout. The middle-aged businessman that was weeping at our men's group doesn't realize that he has been so desperate for the approval of his father since his parents divorced that he has been carrying with him that question, am I enough, for 25 years. And no title and no position and no job and no amount of money is going to fill that void. The young professional woman that I met that was weeping after her friend's father's funeral didn't realize that she had bought into the lie for the last eight years 
that in order to be tough and to be the strong one for her family meant that she had to shut down her grief and she never grieved properly. For some of you, the most holy thing that you could do when you go home this next week is weep and is grieve and grieve over the things that you have never grieved. It is a holy thing. Hurts, habits, and hang-ups. If only they would have slowed down and pulled over and looked into the hood, under the hood of their own hearts. How much more healing, how much more forgiveness, how much more freedom. And that's why we're talking about this today, not to just load on a bunch of guilt and shame, but to say that life is available for you. Walk away from here today knowing that Jesus says in John 10, I have come that you might have life. Everybody say life. Life. And have it abundantly. Not addiction, not hurt, not pain, but life. But Jesus knows that that's real life as well. And I love that part of the verse. The part of the verse I don't like so much is when John says, but the thief, our enemy, comes to steal and kill and destroy. And trust me, I'd love to preach on other things, but there's a lot of stealing and killing and destroying of people's lives internally and externally in our church community. And I hate it because I see it take people and it pulls them away from the life that Jesus promises. And it starts with admitting it's us. It's all of us with our hurts and habits and hang-ups. And those of you that have been in recovery are in recovery or loving somebody through that know what's the first step. I need help. And I can't do it on my own. I need help. And that's the point that Nick gets to in this film. After multiple relapses, he finally gets a sponsor. He gets into a, an NAAA type group, and you'll see that here in this next clip. And as you watch this next scene, I want you to not think about so much, well, that's for him and not for me. I want you to see the weight and the burden that is lifted off of his shoulders and the freedom that comes by admitting to God and to other people, I'm a mess. And I don't have to shove it down anymore, and I don't have to hide it. And if you can do that in an AA meeting, certainly we should be able to do that in God's house. And that's why we have multiple of those meetings. The meetings you're about to see right here at all of our campuses every single week. Watch the weight and the burden come off through the power of confession. Let's take a look. You heard it right from his lips. I'm looking for something to fill the, the ache, the, the void, the dark hole inside, just like every single one of us. What is he crying out for? Love and acceptance and relationships, just like every single one of us. We've got to get past the us and them thing, you guys. It's us. It's all of us. Peel back the chemical dependencies. What we find is that when people work through those and we peel back the layers of all those dependencies, we find that underneath there's a lot of hurt and pain as well. That's why only five of those 13 support groups are for substances because all those other things pop up and we've got groups for those too. Because those coping, those, those, those things that we put in our bodies are only coping mechanisms for the deeper pain, the hurt, and the fear. And so my question for you this morning is, what are you doing with your hurt? Or do you just have this series of unresolved hurt and pain in your life? What do you do with what you feel inside? And so I thought this morning it might be helpful if we just walk through a few myths before we close, that people have about recovery. We've got to get these straight in our heads. Whenever I think about myths, I think about myth busting. Anybody ever seen the show Mythbusters? Seen that show? Okay. It's, you know, it's been, been around for a while. I don't, think, I don't think it's on the air anymore. But these two crazy guys, basically, they blow stuff up. 
and it's fun, and we watch it. But essentially, they put to the test assumptions that we make, things commonly held beliefs like, oh, yeah, 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 this is what recovery means. Okay, we're not going to blow anything up this morning, but we're going to look at some of these myths because that's where the healing can start. Number one is what we've already discovered. First myth, recovery is just for people that have substance issues. Recovery is just for people that have substance issues. We know it's way deeper than that, and instead of living in denial, God calls us to come clean and be honest with each other and before him, and that's where the healing starts. And it trickles right into the second myth that we see all the time, and is simply this. You know, John, some of these things let's just keep, keep, keep hidden. There's some things about my life that are just better private. There's some things that we just don't really need to, to go there. You know, I'm coming to church, and I've got, a, I've got a nice family, so why dig up the past? Why rock the boat, right? I'm, John, I'm sure no, nobody else needs to know about that. Certainly God doesn't need to know about that. Newsflash, he already does. And this should be really encouraging to you. He loves you right in the midst of it. Not when you get yourself all cleaned up. He loves you as you are and not as you should be today, whatever you're up against. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The reason this is a myth, the reason we need to tackle this is because it's what's below the surface that always causes the most damage, what we can't see. You remember the movie Titanic? Didn't think this would come up in this sermon, did you, right? When you think about the movie Titanic, what do you think of? Leo, right? Beyond that, what else? What caused the ship to sink? The iceberg, right? What part of the iceberg caused the ship to go down? The 10% that was above the waterline or the 90% that they couldn't see? What's below the surface put the gashing hole that sunk it. And some of you are convinced that it's okay that I can live my life and people only know what's above the waterline. And yet it's below the surface that is the most dangerous. It always comes up and it ends up defining us. God sees it all. He already knows. And these things, they end up defining us. Some of you have been carrying the burden of guilt and shame for far too long. Some of you have been living with this false identity. Your hurt, your habit, your hang-up is you are just convinced that I didn't parent the best that I could, and so I am a failure. You've never said it, but every single day your life is defined by what I should have done and could have done better raising my kids. I'm a failure. I'm a mistake. You got to hear this this morning. God doesn't make junk. You're not a mistake. God doesn't make junk. Some of you have been living with the identity that you're a victim and you're always going to be a victim because of what happened to you in high school or college and you've been carrying that with you. You got to hear this today. As a child of God, you may be a product of your past, but you do not have to be a prisoner. You do not have to be a prisoner. I don't know what you're up against today, but because of Jesus, because of Jesus, you are not your situation. How do I know that? All throughout the Gospels, you read these stories of Jesus encountering people with brokenness and limitations and disease and failure and mistakes in their lives, and never once are they defined by their limitation. Read it. We do that, but read these stories. Never once, it's, they're never described as uh, uh, the blind man, the bleeding woman, 
The crippled man. We do that. We put the labels. But as John writes these stories, the disciples write down these stories. That's not how Jesus saw them. It was the man born blind, the woman who happened to be bleeding, the man who was crippled. Because Jesus saw past their pain and past their limitations to the fact that they were a child of God. And he does the same thing for you this morning as well. You are not, you are not your situation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, even what other people think even your own family that might have disowned you. Some of you have told me, I want to believe in the love of God the Father, but I can't because my own parents don't even love me. I'm really excited to let you know this morning that you have a father that adores you and has a plan and a purpose for your life, no matter what mistakes you have made in the past. James chapter 5 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you can be healed. I, I can't tell you how many times people have come to me after the fact when they were scared to open up and they joined a life group, they joined a support group, they went to celebrate recovery, and they said, John, I was so worried, and I opened my mouth and I revealed that thing that I didn't want anybody else to know, and instead of judgment from all these religious churchy people, it was amazing. One, two, three, four other people said, me too. And that's when I knew that I wasn't alone. You're not the only one. Which leads to the last myth that I'll address today. And this is an interesting one. And partly it's because God's doing amazing things at Hope. God's on the move. He's changing people's lives. People have, have been transformed. Marriages have been put together. People have been healed. from. It's happened right here in this room. God's spirit is changing lives. Healing is available. Transformation is available. And the last myth that we believe is, well, gosh, if I can just get myself to church and just get in front of that pastor or get to that support group or get to celebrate recovery, I'll take my loved one and I'll drag him to the hospital or drag him to celebrate recovery. I'll get him with Pastor John. I'll get him with a professional counselor and that'll fix them. And don't get me wrong, every single one of those things are good. But they're not Jesus. And there is one name, there is one way, there is one power and one hope that can change us from the inside out and his name is Jesus. Acts chapter 4 verse 12, there is salvation in no one else by which we must be saved. God has given no other name by heaven by which we must be saved. It's not about a program. It's not about a class. It's not about a church. It's not even about other Christians, although God uses those. It's about daily. And I said daily. Everybody say daily. Daily saying, I can't do this alone. It's not a one-time fix. Recovery is a process that we invite Jesus into because the other myth that's attached to this one is, boy, if I just get connected to Jesus, he's going to snap his fingers and boom, life is easy. All of my problems are gone. doesn't always happen that way. And I want you to hear this loud and clear. I know a lot of faithful Christians that love Jesus with all of their heart, who battle with addictions and hurts and habits and hang-ups. And their lack of complete healing this side of heaven has nothing to do with their ability to love God more. Amen? It's not attached to that. Sometimes healing can happen all at once, and we've seen Jesus do that and take away the desire for whatever that is. But oftentimes, recovery is a long, messy process where Jesus can work 
through doctors, and Jesus can work through therapists, and Jesus can work through medicine, and through friends, and through prayer, and through support groups. The process is always different, but the saving is always through Jesus. The process is always different because everybody's story is unique, but the saving, the power, the healing is always through Jesus. And so with those myths busted, two what-if questions for you this morning. What would it look like for us as a church to stop seeing recovery as a program where some people go and start seeing it as a reality where everybody lives? What if every single one of us showed up at Celebrate Recovery next week? That would be awesome and biblical and awesome. What if we stopped seeing it as an us and them thing? And secondly, what would it look like for us as a church to not just talk about these things once a year, but to take steps of healing, whatever that looks like for you today? Today is not a pep talk. Today is not a, wow, that's too bad for some of those people. Today is a day to look under the hood, to look in the mirror, to look at yourself and say, I need to get some help. I'm not going to go one more day without looking under the hood and seeing how I'm doing. And maybe it's getting connected with Celebrate Recovery. Maybe it's getting connected with one of our many support groups that exist for all different hurts and habits right here at Hope Des Moines. Maybe it's joining a life group where you can be real. We have a, a group called Ultimate Journey here at Hope Des Moines that walks you through your past and your hurts and your brokenness and helps you find that healing multiple nights of the week and we would be happy to get you connected with that. Write it on your connection card today. Celebrate recovery, support group, ultimate journey. Maybe it's one of our trained care one-on-one ministers. Maybe it's going to counseling. I think every single person should be in counseling. Every single couple that I meet with that's getting married, they're like, we're done with our pre-marriage counseling and I'm like, get started for some more. Because I tell every single couple, if you love that person more than anything else in the world, we, some people go in for an oil change more than they go in for counseling with the love of their life. Pay attention to your heart. Fight for the people that love you. We have trained counselors that we can connect you with. So call the church. Write it on your connection card. Send us an email. Drop it in the offering basket. Bring it to the Welcome Center. And regardless, I, I want you to know that you're welcomed here. I don't know, I just thought of this right now, and I'm going to share it with you, because I was looking upstairs at those of you in the loft. It was about a year ago, I was up there hanging out for breakfast, which we had before this service, and a man came in, and he was in pretty rough shape. You know, it's, it's one thing to watch a movie. Right there, a man walked up those stairs, and he was in pretty rough shape. He didn't smell good at all, and I could smell it on his breath. And he just... He was out of it, and I went up, and I asked his name, and he said, my name's Bill, and I could, I could smell it right there on his breath, and I said, Bill, what's going on? And he said, man, I, I really screwed up last night. I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some breakfast and leave. And I said, before you do, Bill, can I tell you something? And I kind of lifted him up by the shoulders, and I looked him in the eyes, you know, I always try. I don't always succeed, but I always try to see people the way that Jesus sees them. And I said, Bill, I am so glad that you are here today. And I want you to know that you are so loved by God and that he forgives you. You picked a great day to come to church, Bill. 
and it just tears just started welling up. And then the best part was not what I said. I watched two of our members come, put their arm around Bill, give him a great big hug in his hangover, put their arms around him, weep with him, pray for him, and have some of the best biscuits and gravy around. You ask, what kind of a church is Lutheran Church of Hope? That. That. Right there. Unconditional love and acceptance. Not just for Bill, not just for homeless people, not just for addicts, for all of us. For every single one of us. Every time you come walking through those doors, that's the message for you. Welcome home. Welcome home. We are so glad that you are here. God loves you right where you are, and he refuses to leave you that way. He's a dad, just like the actor in the movie. He's a dad that sees past your pain and sees past your hurt, and he sees his kid that's in trouble. And he says, I love you too much to leave you that way. That's why we do the ministry that we do. That's why we challenge people to say, you're more than that. God created you for more than that, for fooling around with whatever you're fooling around with. And he says, come home today. Come back to me. Come back home. You're my kid. That's not why you were created. I love you too much for that. Fight for those that are around you. And that's what the film ultimately is about. It's not about addiction. It's about a dad loving his son for 10 years through addiction in the middle of the, of the mess. And now, thank God, Nick is eight years clean as of today. And as you watch this final, yeah, praise God. And as you watch this final clip, <laughs> I just want you to hear God whispering to you, never give up. Never give up. Because there's always hope. And you're going to hear that word three times in this final clip. There's hope, there's hope, there's hope. Take a look. The good news this morning is that there is help and there is hope for your hurt, for your past, for your marriage, for your fear, and his name is Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A living hope. That's what we walk away with this morning. Not the power of positive thinking, not mere optimism, not I'm going to try a little bit harder to defeat this. You can't. You can't do it alone. So get help because there is hope, real hope, because how you handle your hurt will determine your hope. Let's not just talk about it. Let's sing about it. Let's declare to God. And afterwards, we'll have some prayer for those of you that need it. Let's stand and the band's going to lead us as we sing about this hope that we have.